This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. A friend of mine shared with me uh, a writing several years ago, actually about 20 years ago, and he put a preface on what he sent to me by email with these words. He said, I had determined to quit forwarding emails, but I have to share this one. Maybe you've already read it, but if you haven't, may it be a blessing to you. And this is what my friend sent to me those 20 years ago, this story. Pa had never had much compassion for the lazy or for those who squandered their means and then never had enough of necessities. But for those who were genuinely in need, his heart was as big as all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving, not from receiving. It was Christmas Eve in the year 1881. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just had not been enough money to buy me that rifle that I had wanted so bad that year for Christmas. We did the chores early that night for some reason. I figured Pa wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible as we did each evening. So after supper was over, I took my boots off and I stretched out in front of the fireplace and I waited for Pa to get down the old big Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself and to be very honest, I was not in much of a mood to read the scriptures. But Pa didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up and went outside. I couldn't figure it out because we had already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it long though. I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. Soon, Pa came back in the house. It was a cold, clear night out, and there was ice in his beard. Come on, Matt, he said to me. Bundle up good. It's cold out tonight. Oh, I was really upset then. Not only wasn't I getting the rifle for Christmas, but now Pa was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We had already done all the chores, and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, not especially not on a night like this. But I knew Pa was not very patient at one dragging one's feet when he told me that there was something we had to do. So I got up and put my boots back on and got my cap and my coat and my mittens. Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I didn't know what it was. I was really confused. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was we were going to do was not going to be a quick, short little job. I could tell. We never hitched up the big sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Pa was already up on the seat, the reins in his hand. So I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me. I was not happy. When I was on, 
Pa pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off, and I followed. I think we'll put up the high sideboards, he said. Here, Matt, come help me. The high sideboards? It had been a bigger job than I wanted to do with just the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. <clears throat> when we had exchanged the sideboards, Paul went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood, that wood that I had spent all summer hauling down from the mountain. And then all fall, I had spent sawing into blocks and, split and splitting. What was my paw doing? Finally, I said something. Pa, what are you doing? He answered, you have been by widow's, or have you been by widow Jensen's house lately? Well, the widow Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest being eight years of age. Sure, I had been by, but so what? Yeah, I said, why? Paul said, well, I just rode by today, and little Jakey was out digging around in the woodpile trying to find a few wood chips. They're out of wood, Matt. And that was all he said. And then he turned and went back in the woodshed for another armload of wood. I followed him. We loaded up the sleigh so high I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Pa called a halt to our loading. Then we went to the smokehouse. Pa took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. What's in that little sack, I asked. His reply, shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. Well, we rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Paul was doing. We didn't have much by worldly standards in our family. Of course, we did have a big woodpile though most of what was left now was still in the form of logs that I'd have to saw into blocks and split before we could use it. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that, but I knew we didn't have any money. So why was Paul buying them shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than we were. Shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house and we unloaded the wood as quietly as we possibly could. Then we took the meat and the flour and the shoes to her door. We knocked on the door. The door opened just a small crack and a timid voice said, Who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am. This is my son, Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another blanket and they were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled for with a match 
and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Pa said, and he set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table in the kitchen area, and then Pa handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children, sturdy shoes, the best, shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling, and then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Paul like she wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We, we brought you a load of wood too, ma'am, Paul said. And then he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough wood to last for a while. Let's get that fire up to size and let's heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in that wood. I had a big lump in my throat. And as much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks and so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me and a joy filled my soul that I had never known before. I had given at Christmas many times before, but never when it had made so much difference. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirits soared. The kids started giggling when Pa handed them each a piece of candy. And Widow Jensen looked on us with a smile that probably had not crossed her face for a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord himself has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his children to spare us. Well, in spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and tears welled up in my eyes again. I had never thought of Paul in those exact terms before. But after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Paul had never walked on this earth except one, Jesus. I started remembering all the times he, Paul had gone out of his way for Ma and for me and many others too. The list seemed endless as I thought about it. Paul insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit and I wondered how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guess that if he was on an errand for the Lord, that the, the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. Pa took each of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him. They didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their Pa, and I was glad I still had mine. At the door... Paul turned to Widow Jensen and said, The Mrs. wanted me to invite you and all your children over to our house for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat. You know a man can get cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. We'll go by to get you about 11, 
We'll, we'll be here about 11. It's so nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here, my son, hasn't been little for quite a spell. Well, that was right. I was the youngest. My two older brothers and my older sisters were all married and moved away. Widow Jensen nodded and said, Thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say, May the Lord bless you. I know for certain that he will. Out on the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within. I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone away, Paul turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your ma and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so that we could buy that rifle for you. But we didn't have quite enough. Then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from years back came to make things square with me. Your ma and me were real excited, thinking that now we could get you that rifle. So I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped in those gunny sacks, and I knew what I had to do. So, son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children. I hope you understand. Oh, yes, I understood. And my eyes became wet with tears again. I understood very well. And I was so glad Paul had done it. Just then the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Paul had given me a lot more. He had given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. And for the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or when I split a block of wood, I remembered. And remembering brought back that same joy I felt riding home beside Paul that night. Paul had given me much more than a rifle that Christmas. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. And that's the story. And may this be a special day for you as we remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.